This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. This afternoon, I want to talk about a passage of Scripture that is found in Acts chapter 2. And if you're like me, you read Acts chapter 2 for a couple, really one main reason is why I go to Acts chapter 2. Um, and I typically don't go to Acts chapter 2 to read this passage of Scripture. Um, yet I did a while back, and I was convicted, and I was convinced of a few things that maybe I knew in some way before, um, but this definitely affirmed some of those things and, and certainly taught me some, uh, some new lessons and some new things that I need to implement and that I'm going to strive to implement uh, in my life going forward. Now, if you're on Esword and you look at that passage of Scripture, it's called the Fellowship of the Believers. And it's the last five verses in Acts chapter 2. So typically, I'm going to read verse 37 and verse 38 and call it good, right? Now, I don't usually think about the last of that chapter. But we find some very important lessons and examples about what the first Christians were doing there in the last five verses of that chapter. Some things that I think we could do a lot better job implementing in our lives today. I'm going to read one verse that's outside of these five verses. I wanted to try and keep it as much as we could within the context and within what's going on in Acts chapter 2. Um, and so we'll look at some context a little while later. Uh, but for now, let's read the last five verses of Acts chapter 2. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now we know what's going on in Acts chapter 2, right? Peter preaches the first gospel sermon. Uh, there's many people who are here now for the day of Pentecost. And like I said, we'll look at that in just a minute, but, but set the scene for yourself. Now here, here's, there's 3,000 people who are added to the church. Many of those people who are displaced, they're not at home anymore. They've traveled, and now here they are with the apostles, some of them, and they've heard this life-changing news, and now they're Christians. And the first things they do as Christians are they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and it lists all these different things that they do. Now, I'm going to read this again, but I'm going to read it in the ESV uh, because I thought rather than defining some of these words, uh, the ESV puts it very simply and plainly and clears some things up for me. So let's read that. So in, in the ESV, in verse 42, again, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so I felt like that put it a little bit more plain. And so right off the bat, there's some things that are mentioned here in these five verses that uh, they're not the same for us today. They're a little bit different. Uh, There's some things that uh, we have that the first Christians don't have, right? And so right off the bat, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or teaching. So they weren't just devoting themselves to the apostles' opinions, but what the apostles were teaching. The apostles were teaching things that were inspired of God, the, the New Testament that we have today, the first Christians didn't have that, right? And so what they had, and what we have today is the New Testament, what they had at this particular time was what the apostles were saying. And that's, what, that's how they knew what to do. That's why Peter's there preaching to them. Uh, what we found earlier on in this same chapter. And so at that time... We're not going to get into miraculous gifts or anything here this afternoon. But the, the apostles were doing that as well as a way to jumpstart the church. And a way to help the church get off the ground and, and get its legs underneath it. And so that's why it says, we, we look at it in King James, it says fear. And what that means is awe came upon every soul. They saw the, the wonders that the apostles were doing. It says that all who believed were together and had all things common. And so there's could be some debate on what this means today. And once again, we'll look at this as we get a little bit further in. However, remember their situation. Right? These are people who, they've, they've come into a new life, as so to say. They're, they're Christians now for the first time. They're the first Christians. And they've got this new sense of unity and brotherhood that they didn't have before. A lot of people are going to look at that. They had all things common and... And uh, think, well, well, do we all have to go sell our things and live out of one big pot of money and, and operate that way? Well, it says, this is where I really like the ESV and what it means. It says, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so what they did was they were selling things to raise funds to feed each other or if somebody got hurt. And that's as they saw the needs. And so some people will take this and run with it and say that we need to go all sell our homes and everything that we got and just live together in and, and one big family, but it says, as they had need. Verse 46, it says, And day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And so, uh, well, let's just go back. The King James says, Breaking bread from house to house uh, and continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Uh, and so, once again, something we can... I don't want to get into so much this afternoon. If you want to discuss this further, we can talk about it maybe a little bit. And I'd like to hear your opinion as well. Uh, but it appears as though this breaking of bread in these instances was, talk, was meaning in a home setting. And so you might read that and, and interpret that to mean they were partaking of communion. I suppose they were on the first day of the week. Uh, however, in this context, it appears as though that means they were sharing meals together rather than they were... Uh, partaking of communion together. Uh, and then verse 47 is pretty self-explanatory. Folks, here is what the first Christians were doing. They became Christians and here's what they did. Uh, they, they did 
what is listed in these five verses. There's some things I want to make a special note of. And please understand me. There is little to no mention of going to church in these verses. I don't run with that yet. I think it's very important we go to church. I think the first Christians would have thought it was very important to go to church and to worship. But I think today we place so much importance on the worship assembly, rightly so, but that we can forget about the other six days of the week and what we're supposed to be doing in those six days of the week. Right? And, and sometimes we go, well, we do everything right. We do everything the way that the first century church did in our worship. We sing like the first century church did. We take communion like the first century church did. Uh, we have plurality of teachers like the first century church did. And we can wear that, uh, that sign on our chest with pride, right? And that's a good thing. However, the first century church, they were doing a lot more than that the other six days of the week. And I think there's some things here that maybe we could do a little bit better on. So here's the actions of the first century church. They were uh, daily, they were regular, they were devoted to study, to fellowship, to prayer, uh, to eating together, uh, being together. They were devoted to that. It says they continued steadfastly in that. They were watching and seeing the miracles performed by the apostles. It says they had all things in common, and I think... Probably a better way to define that just means they were meeting each other's needs. If they saw somebody who needed something, they were making sure that need got, that need got met. And they continued daily together uh, in the temple. Uh, and like I said, that's something we can talk about later. It seems as though that was for prayer or for other reasons. Um, and they continued daily together uh, in eating together. And then finally they praised God and had favor with the population. And so it doesn't seem like all that much. It doesn't seem like there was anything crazy or out of the ordinary, but maybe uh, there's some things we could do better at here. Understanding that, well, we don't have the apostles walking around performing miracles today. Uh, understanding that there's no temple outside that we are going to go pray at. But here's what's very important. We see the results of what happened when the Christians were doing this. We, we know that they were devoted to fellowship, to study, to prayer. We know that they were uh, one with, in one another's homes daily. We know they're praising God and they were gaining the favor of the community, of the people around them. And here's what the Bible says the results are, that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so the question is, what if, what if we do that today? What if the church today follows this guideline more strictly? What if we follow it as strictly as the first Christians, as the first century church followed this guideline? What if we today will stay steadfast in doctrine, steadfast in fellowship and in prayer? What if we strive to be more like the first Christians in having all things common and in seeing the needs of the people around us and make sure that we meet those needs and that we get them what they need when they're in trouble or when there's something in the church. And that if, if we need to feed some people, we get the money together or we get the resources together and we do that. Whatever the needs were, they were met. What if we'll do that better today? And what if we praise God in the community and gain the favor of the community? What if we go out with the mindset uh, that we are going to gain the favor uh, of the people in our community. That we're going to build relationships with them. What if we do this? I think I know and I think you know. 
I think the Lord will add to the church. I think if we'll follow this formula, and if you're listening to the podcast, I'm doing quotation marks. If, if we'll follow this formula, that the Lord will add to the church. I'm, I'm very confident, I'm very convicted and convinced of, of this. That if we will be more like the first Christians, then we will see the results of the first Christians. And that the church will grow. So let's look at each of these few items now, very briefly. The first one there is that they continued steadfastly in uh, the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in prayer. Uh, and, and for me today, I felt like this was probably the most important one of these several. The one that really stuck out in my mind. Uh, the one that, that really made me think that I'm not doing what I should be doing in the other six days of the week like I should. Sure, I come to church on Sundays, I'm a good person, and I love God, but there's a lot of things that I'm supposed to be steadfast in, or rather continue steadfast in. And so I looked at that word, and uh, rather phrase, continued steadfastly. That appears only ten times in the scripture, and six of them are in Acts. Now we see the word continue at other places, we see the word steadfast in other places of the scripture, but the the words in conjunction, continued steadfastly, they only appear ten times. Like I said, six of them are in Acts. And that comes from the Greek word 4342. And this was really, really neat to me. It says there that this continued steadfastly means to be earnest towards. That is, uh, to a thing, to persevere, to be constantly diligent, uh, to attend assiduously, all the exercises to adhere closely to, to attend continually, to continue instant in, uh, or wait on continually. I really thought that was neat. I really thought that brought a new meaning to some of these three things we have listed up above. Now, we tell people all the time, you need to be at church. Come to the worship assemblies when we're right. But we're looking past that this afternoon. We know we need to be at the worship assemblies. Now, let's look past that. Not only are we supposed to come to the worship assemblies, we're supposed to be earnest towards, we're supposed to persevere in, constantly diligent towards prayer. We're supposed to be constantly diligent. We're supposed to earnestly persevere in the doctrine. And for us today, of course, that's the New Testament. My favorite one is to attend assiduously. You know what assiduously means? I didn't either. It means with great care or perseverance. So pretty similar to what we're looking at. But that gives you a little bit of an idea. To attend with great care and perseverance. Now I think if you ask me, Zane, do you attend assiduously with great care and perseverance to the worship assemblies? I'd go, well, yes. I do that. I make sure that I'm at the worship assemblies. Say, Zane, well, do you attend assiduously all the exercises of prayer? Maybe not so much. I may not be as devote, uh, uh, devoted to that. I may not be constantly diligent in prayer. I may not be constantly diligent in study and in opening up the doctrine and learning. I may not adhere closely to the doctrine or to prayer like I say, uh, like I would like to. But the big one for me was fellowship. 
I think that's a big part of the culture that they had in Acts chapter 2 was their togetherness, their closeness, and the culture of being, having all things common that they had. Can I say that I am earnest towards fellowship? Can I say that I persevere through, persevere constantly and diligently in fellowship? Do I attend assiduously all the exercises of fellowship? This is what the first Christians were doing. They were devoted to fellowship. Not only were they devoted to the word, not only were they devoted to God, and they, and they wanted to be Christians, and they wanted to please God, they were devoted to fellowship, just being together, being around each other, and having people over for meals, and having studies in their homes, and eating with each other. They were devoted to that. They attended assiduously. They persevered through that. When I think of the word persevere, I think of something that's bad or something that I don't necessarily want to do, but I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't know how they felt about fellowship. It seems like they liked it because they did it daily. And maybe we're going to have to persevere through some of these things. Maybe that's a big change. It's a big change for my life to think about that, to think about the great strides and links of better that I can do at continuing steadfast and attending assiduously all the exercises of fellowship. Folks, this was a daily effort for the first century Christians. Granted, many of them were not at home. They, had, they weren't at home anymore. So I don't know where else they were going to go, right? But this is what the first Christians were doing. It says in verse 46, this is uh, the ESV translation. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They were eating meals together in their homes daily. I'm not saying you got to have somebody over every day, maybe five or six days a week, right? I got a little chuckle. The question is, are you continuing steadfastly daily in the Word? Are you continuing steadfast daily in prayer? And are you continuing steadfast daily in fellowship? We're supposed to be a people of fellowship. And we see that example by the first Christians. That they were together and they wanted to be together daily. I think there were a lot of reasons for that. And is that what I'm doing in my life? I think that's an area in which I have a lot of improvement to make. The next one is that they had all things in common. Or they met all the needs uh, that were around them within the church. And so we know in Acts chapter 2, it's the day of Pentecost. And so many people are, are here for that reason. And in verse number 5, it says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And so just to give you the context here, early in Acts chapter 2, we know there are people here as what's defined as from every nation. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. Matt, do you know where people from Pamphylia were from? I don't either. They were from everywhere. These people came from all over the place. And they had needs. 
And they came to this place, and now they're Christians. And they heard this sermon that Paul, well, they're about to hear this sermon that rather Peter is going to preach. I don't think they knew. They didn't know they were about to hear this life-changing news. And now all of a sudden, I'm a Christian, and they've just heard this, and they've just asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them to be baptized, and so they repented, and they went, and they were baptized. And now their life has changed, and now they're a Christian. And so as you can imagine, there were some needs. There was some food that needed to be made for all these people that are now Christians says, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So something I, I talked a little bit about uh, with Jace actually today and, and one of my wonderings, I don't know that I'm so convinced in this, but was having all things in common, was it the result or was it the practice that they were already practicing? And so... Uh, let me lay that out. Were, were they, did they have all things common because they were so together all the time and because they loved each other and because they had just become Christian and they found this new lifestyle and they had this new sense of togetherness and sense of uh, unity in Christ? Or were they told that they need to have all things common? I, and I think it could have been a little bit of both. But just think about the culture to have all things common. And we love each other here. And we've got a sense of closeness here. And I think we do that very well here at Wheeler. But do we have all things common? If, if Josh falls on his way out and breaks his pinky toe, is Matt going to sell a cow so Josh can have surgery? I don't know. But they had all things common. And whenever they saw a need, they met the need. Whenever somebody needed something, they made sure they sold whatever they had to to raise the money to get that person taken care of. And now things are different today. We have insurance and we have all kinds of things, but it's something to think about. Do we have all things common? Are we rather ready and willing to meet the needs if there's a need that arises? Now, I go to thinking about physical ailments, but... Maybe it's financial, maybe it's spiritual, and maybe it's just a lot less of a dire need. Maybe the church is about to go and try to, try to branch out and try to gain some root in the community and try to be more well seen. That we have people who are ready to meet that need and ready to go and, and volunteer and do those things. If we have things that are going to go on at a summer meeting, do we have people ready to meet those needs and step up? And make sure that what the church needs, the church is going to get. So the questions asked, are you meeting the needs of others? Be that physical, financial, uh, volunteer needs. I think this is a way in which I could probably stand to do better. And the final compound uh, example we see from the first Christians is in verse 47. It says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so it seemed very important to the first Christians that they go out and gain the favor of the people around them, uh, as well as praising God. And so do I have the favor of the people around me? 
And so I told Jason, I said, I work alone. So I don't, you know, I'll, let, I'll leave that up to everybody else. I work from home by myself. So I'm not out there in the community. But maybe that means I need to get a little bit more creative in being in the community. The first century church, they were active in the community, it seems like. And they were building relationships with people outside of the church. And then they were in integrating those people, what it seems like, into those home studies and into those meals at their homes and into daily prayer or whatever it may have been, just general fellowship. And we see what happened, that the Lord added to the church because of these items. And so I think it's important that we make strides to do that. So the question is, are you seeking favor with those you know? Maybe that's your family, maybe that's your coworkers, maybe that's the people at school. And I put, are you inviting them to dot, 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 because I don't know what that's going to be. But I think we need to look past just, oh, well, let's, we're having a gospel meeting, let's invite them to church. Or, well, here's somebody I've been thinking about, I'll invite them to the gospel meeting next June when the meeting comes around. Well, no, invite them now to supper at your house. Invite them now just to do something. It doesn't have to be to study. It can be. But are we seeking favor? Are we purposefully trying to gain relationships with people and get closer to those people so that we have an opportunity to, an opportunity to evangelize to them when the time is right? You know, I had a friend call me uh, who had just gone to college, and he said, hey, how do you get people to study with you? It's like, well, I don't know that I'm the guy you ought to be asking this, but he said, I ask people if they want to study and nobody wants to, and I'm getting really down about that. I said, well, who are you asking? He said, well, I saw a guy walking into campus, so I asked him, do you know him? No. I was like, well, no wonder. He didn't know you. You got to show people you care about them. Brandon does a version of the five-part study that's in three parts, and it's called God is a God of Relationships. And the church is all about relationship, building relationships with somebody and then bringing them to Christ. And God wants to have a relationship with you. It's all about that relationship. But we have to be building relationships with the people around us. And so sometimes we get frustrated. Well, we ask all these people to church and they're not coming to church. Well, they need to know that we care about them first. They need to know that we're friends first and that I love them and that we can go and we can have fun. And so let's go to the bowling alley and do that a little while and then invite them to church and they're probably not going to say no as easily then. In closing this afternoon, why not? Why are we not doing these things? Why are we not daily in fellowship? Why are we not seeking the favor of those around us? Why not? Why not meeting the needs of, of the church, of the people here? Why are we not doing that? Or why are we not doing a better job of doing that? Why not continue steadfast in fellowship and prayer and having people over? Just to spend some time. Well, probably because work, work gets in the way. I don't get home till 6.30, and so there's just no more time for fellowship. Well, school, we got activities two nights a week with school, and then we got this and that the other night. We're at church on Wednesday night. There's just no time for fellowship. I got things I want to do. I'm busy on the weekends. I'm busy during the week, so there's no time for fellowship. There's no time to meet the needs. There's no time to uh, be steadfast in study and prayer. Maybe we just don't want to sometimes, and we're too proud to admit it.
This is the example left by the first century church that, that we stay steadfast in fellowship, steadfast in prayer, steadfast in study, that we meet the needs of the church and the people within the church. And these things get in the way. And you've heard it over and over and over again. Don't let these things get in the way. In Ephesians 4 it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The fact is we need each other. We talk about that when we read this verse and we read anything in Ephesians 4 about unity. We got to have each other. And I sit back and go, I don't know, but you know, I don't know if I need to just be around Christians constantly to be a good person, but it's more than that. If we want the church to function like the first century church did, they were adding to the church daily. Now there were a few more of them than there are of us. They were adding to the church daily. And what were they doing? They were steadfast in the doctrine and fellowship and prayer. They were meeting the needs of those around them. They were daily uh, eating meals together in their homes. But the Bible says if, if we don't have unity, that we're like children being tossed to and fro. That it's easier to stray away from God. That it's easier to be tricked by something out in the world. And so we need to have unity. Real, true unity. So I got a couple questions as we actually close this time. Would you be better or worse with daily fellowship? Would your personal walk with Christ be better or worse with daily fellowship? Would your walk with Christ be better or worse with daily, devoted, steadfast study and prayer? Would my life be better or worse if I have people in my home or go to somebody's home regularly? And how can we better follow the first Christian's examples? How, how can we do better at this? You're going to have to do prayer on your own. I don't know how I can help you on that one. Study maybe a little bit. But what about the fellowship? Folks, remember, they heard something life-changing. They listened to a life-changing sermon. Something they, they had no idea of. Imagine walking into that situation. You're a Jew. Next thing you know, Peter's preaching to you. Now you're a Christian. And your world's been flipped into a different state of mind. How can we better follow this example? It's by study, prayer, obviously. It's by worship. It's by seeking favor with those who are working with, who are around, those at school. Uh, anybody you're with on a daily basis and finally, it's fellowship. Folks, have people in your home regularly. And I tell you what I believe will happen based off the example from Acts chapter 2, that the Lord will add to the church daily. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.